Welcome to the Competitive Contractor Podcast, the go-to show for owners and leaders of engineering and construction businesses that are determined to be better. I am your host, Shubhendra Kumar, and I am on a mission to help build trailblazing businesses that will be known for transforming the engineering and construction industry. Let's get right into the discussions. Hi, everyone. I'm delighted to have Trivan Martinez, the CEO and founder of Martinez, join me on the Competitive Contractor Podcast today. Hi, Trivan. Hi, Shubhendra. How are you going? Good, good. Doing very well and really excited to have you on this podcast. I know you are a very busy man, so I'm really happy and grateful that you've taken time out to share your insights with the industry. Now, I've got a lineup mm-hmm. of very tough questions for you, but uh, before I go into those, uh, I'll request you to share and talk about your journey so far. What has been, uh, what has it been like building an organization from what once I believe would have been an idea? Yeah, sure. So, well, firstly, yes. Uh, hi, everyone. Treven Martinez, the founder and CEO of Martinez. We're a large-scale railway builder and maintainer, um, delivering projects across Australia, New Zealand, America, and Chile. Um, you ask what's what's the journey's been like. It's been eighteen year journey. Um, it started off with myself and my wife in the the spare bedroom of our unit um, apartment in Cronulla, and has now grown to be a uh, a very successful large scale business that has fifteen hundred employees um, delivering billion dollar projects. It's been a a crazy and fun journey uh, from that first step. I didn't imagine it would be the the scale it uh, is today um, when we first started out, but uh, it's been a fun journey along the way. That's fantastic. And 1,500 plus employees in 18 years, that's that's mm. that's really good. Uh, it's uh, it's amazing what determination, and I guess you're just listening to you, what passion and positive uh, attitude can do. Where mm. are you headed? Uh, there might be ideas that, ideas that you probably cannot talk about, but what mm. should we start getting excited about? Yeah. Um, I'm very open with um, with our strategy and what we what we do. Uh, we're a focused railway builder. Um, we made the decision back in 2018 when we had a, a lot of success. Our, our team was growing. We had a lot of capability, capacity in the projects that we uh, we references that we were getting from the projects here in Australia and New Zealand. Um, and then we we looked at what would be that next phase of growth that we could um, go after and um, looked at a few different ideas. Um, the one idea is to look at um, diversifying and then going building hospitals, school, schools, dams, other other infrastructure, roads, um, but decided that we've had a, such a, a, a great team and knowledge and capability of delivering complex railway projects. So we opted for the other model of taking that skill, capability and, and uh, expertise to a global stage. Um, and it's been an exciting time um, the last five years, how we've expanded uh, in now into America and Chile and other select projects um, around the around the globe. Um, it just means that um, we do what we've done here in Australia. Um, we've got a, a layer cake, cake approach where we do product supply for railway products, our rail services business into projects major projects and um and even mega projects now and we're we're already across all those facets in australia um, new zealand 
we are up at the the major project space, and um, and then we're replicating that in every market that we go to. Um, there are different stages, mm-hmm. and but we're using the, the skill and capability of the team to um, accelerate through that layer cake approach to be a full service provider. Yeah. If I can, let's say, take back, take you back in the in in memory, right? Like the the decision to not diversify and focus on rail. Mm. What was it like for you? Like you, you you're building this uh, this the, take, taking this uh, business on a journey. You, you at that time, I'm assuming you would have had hundreds of people working for you. So there's a lot mm. of responsibility on you as well. What yes. was it like for you to make that decision? What what did you work through at that that point in time? I always play in a, a space of um, uh, there, there's the three the three spaces. You've got your your short term, your medium term, and long term. And I I I have um, I easily play in all three of those spaces. Uh, I love every part of it, every the, the near term going on to our projects, talking to our teams, looking at the the medium term, what is the next 12 to three years looking like? And then the the long term. Um, what I what we worked through, and it wasn't just myself, it was um, our senior leadership team that had been with us uh, for a number of years. So the likes of Ryan Baden, uh, Toby Briggs and Craig Boothroyd. We, we discussed what has made it uh, a successful to date and how can we replicate and scale that. Um, a successful project delivery is it's a couple of key successes is you've, you've got to build a, a great client relationship. You've got to have your own expertise internal to know that you have the capability capacity to do it and, and obviously deliver a, uh, the project safely. Um, if we went into other markets, we would have to, do two of those things from scratch. We'd have to find new clients and build the the client um, relationship. Whereas if we stay in the rail projects, even on a global stage, it's a it's a huge, huge industry, but it's also a small industry. If you yeah. if you know what I mean, it's a there there billions and billions of dollars of projects around the globe, but it's a very small um, niche industry in the the respect of uh, that where we 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 cross um, cross paths with a lot of the mm. the same people, the same clients, the same um experts within the industry so it was it was quite an easy choice um once <laughs> once we made it <laughs> it took a while to get there but once yeah. we did it was an easy choice and and haven't looked back yeah no thanks for sharing that it's a conversation that happens in many boardrooms for mm. businesses that may have been your size uh, 10 15 years ago mm. so i think the insight that you've shared would be helpful for the audience of this podcast now the industry we operate in is quite complex, and as we write the narrative for the future, there are topics around local capability, people, partnerships, and sustainability. And I know those topics are what you stand for. I want to uh, focus specifically on local capability aspect on this podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, just to qualify this for our listeners, as a young business compared to many other local businesses, Martinez is uh, redefining how business is done on many fronts. So, Trivan, industry reform has been on the agenda for a long time. Uh, Is developing and investing in local capability the key to changes and improvements the construction industry needs? 100%. Definitely. Um, There is the... We've got here um, through a a big challenge of of growing the business in in an industry um, it wasn't by by chance. We had to build the, the capability capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, we're a local grown Australian business delivering Australian infrastructure projects. We're here for the long term. We're not going anywhere. So we 
have always invested in our, our skills, our capacity and capability to step up to the plate for the, the demands and uh, the opportunities on the, the projects that are in the, the pipeline. Um, I believe, I strongly believe um, Australia is, we're a very smart country. Uh, we have an unprecedented spend on infrastructure projects and have for quite a while. Um, and we're, we're, it's slowly changing, it's starting to change, but we missed a huge opportunity um, 10 years ago where we didn't invest as much in local businesses, local capability, and, um, and we're seeing the effects of that today. Um, everyone talks about skills shortages and skills and capability shortage to deliver the infrastructure pipeline. Um, if we started 10 years ago, we wouldn't have that um, deficit today. But it's never too late. And there is, you can see the wheels of motion starting to change now where there is more opportunities. Um, the projects are getting broken down into, uh, into packages that are suitable for Australian mid-tier contractors to, to deliver, um, deliver. They've got the skill and the capability. Um, they've got spare capacity. Um, the the C, CF did a, a survey and uh, more than half of the businesses have... Um, 10 to 50% spare capacity to deliver infrastructure projects. So that's pointing to that there's no skill shortage. Um, the capacity is there, the capability is there, just needs to be tapped into the right way. Yeah, now that's fantastic. I like I like the way you think. I think the couple of good points that came out there for me is uh, uh, you mentioned the, the effort you put in to build the capability. I think that goes beyond just running a business. I think uh, you you need to have a nation building mindset to be able to do that. Uh, and that's that's kudos. It's really not the, I would say, the responsibility of businesses to do that. But if businesses do take that responsibility, it's really uh, making a contribution uh, to the country. And I think the other part is to yes, uh, we have a lot of uh, businesses from that are owned outside of Australia operating in Australia. Mm -hmm. It is time that we reverse that, right? So I think the work you're doing in America and uh, Chile and uh, across uh, in New Zealand. That's, uh, that's probably starting to, it, it's not something that you would have just started to think about now. I think it's been in the making when you were planning and investing in building local capability. So that's really, uh, really good to see that decision, that, that thought coming in, uh, giving some uh, outcomes for the country as well as for the industry. The success, uh, so what experiences from uh, your work on shaping Martinez and how it operates gives you the confidence that uh, local businesses are ripe and ready for the challenge or need this challenge given to them to rise for them to rise up to this occasion yeah sure so from from our experience um myself personally i've got a, a growth mindset um and i've built the culture at martinez to have a growth mindset and um when i say growth mindset that means that we've we're the, the team is willing to take on the take on the challenges to grow from those challenges. Um, so that that means that we will step up to a project that um, that will be a stretch for us. But with that growth mindset, we it's never too hard. We will always rise to the occasion to take on a new challenge to deliver a, a new capability um, and and then put that into our our experience on on how to do it. Um, and there's been many many examples of that. Um, through the growth phase of Martinez, where uh, there was there was one example where um, we wanted to jump up from from project level to a major project. Um, we identified most railway projects um, 
uh, uh, 10 to 20% actual railway and then 80% civil. Mm-hmm. Um, and being a, a core railway focused business at the time, uh, we wanted to go for a major project. Uh, we didn't have that civil capability at the time. This was back in uh, 2015. And so we looked at the opportunities that were there and there was a, a regional Victorian project, which was 90% rail and it was a major project. It was a, um, a $400 million project where 90 cents rail. So we had that capability to go for that project. And we, uh, we, we tended the project, we won it and successfully delivered the, um, the big upgrade project, which meant that um, it shows that with the right mindset, um, willing to take on the challenges, anything's possible. Um, and we grew a great team out of that from that project. Yeah, I think in that in that project, I would be also recognizing the client for the client to have trust in a local company, award mm. the work to someone to do it, uh, where you might not have had the experience to do it in the past. And, yes. and, and that that takes a lot of confidence, and we don't see a lot of that at the moment. Uh, well, we're starting to see it, see it, but we don't see uh, enough of it. And uh, I think that's that's uh, that's kudos to the client. Can you share who the client was on that project? Yeah, that was the Victorian government. So the Victorian government and um, the delivering a lot of projects across Victoria, Victoria and that jurisdiction, they have led the change um, to to a few different um, ways they've done it. They've broken up projects, so there it is an opportunity for the projects to be delivered by mid tiers. Um, They've even specified on on projects that can't be broken up, um, specified to have a a mid-tier contractor as as part of the consortium, um, which means that then a a, a mid-tier Australian, and they're they're mainly Australian businesses, um, Australian-owned businesses, they have an opportunity to be sitting at that top table on these mega projects or these major projects. They get the experience and then they can use that for the next project. So it's building industry capability it's building the yeah. smarts it's building um and it's building the capacity because mid-tier contractors have more access to the the market they know um like ourselves we we have so many um partners that we we, we work with that we have developed and have grown with us as we've grown they've grown um and we're mindful that we don't just pass on big onerous contracts because it's not fit for purpose. We pass on a fit for purpose, we will hold the risk and then we get the right skill and capability. Um, you can only do that if you if you know the industry, if you yeah. know the market and uh, and you, you know who's doing what and who the, the best people are. Yeah, that local, local knowledge comes in handy. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned risk a few times in your previous response, right? So I'll go into a question related to risk because the the success of any business is dependent on how well it plans, how well it mm-hmm. manages risks in its decision-making process. And from what, what we see and from this conversation, you haven't been shy of taking risks, mm-hmm. uh, but it always appears to be well thought out. So from diversifying to delivering uh, projects to investing in specialized equipment, relying on local suppliers and expanding operations to now employing, uh, you mentioned over 1,500 staff, mm-hmm. how does planning, managing risks, and uh, decision-making happen in Martinez? Yeah, so I've got a, a slight different take on, on risk. Um, mm-hmm. it, they, they talk about on projects, there's always a risk and opportunity register. Um, so, much, so often people drop the opportunity part and just say, call it, talk, talk about risk. And yes, 
you definitely have to um, identify risks and mitigate them. But then also you have to identify opportunities and go after the opportunities. And, uh, and sometimes they cancel each other out. So um, I, I, I really pass on and, and through our team, we do focus on opportunities as well as um, identifying risks. Um, but we're also very strategic on, on what we do and, um, and, and how we do it. Um, as I mentioned earlier, it's not just, can't be focused on the short term. There has to be the short, medium and long term. Um, and the way that we, we do that to make sure it's not a, a, a rigid um, set of plan and then just deliver on a plan because we're in a complex industry, um, things change all the time um, and it needs to be agile, it needs to be flexible. So we have a, a, a guiding principle of where we're going to. Um, and I, I'm a big believer in a, keeping things simple. There is a, um, Jim Collins um, came up with a, a term called the BHAG, a yeah. big, hairy, audacious goal. And early on, we have set BHAGs. So the 10-year vision of where we, what's possible or almost beyond what's possible. And then have general plans to head in that direction. Um, when you couple that with with a, a growth mindset across our team, where we we have a, a team of teams approach, so it's not a hierarchical approach which a lot of our competitors have. Um, we give the authority and the autonomy to our teams to go after and deliver the right outcomes on our projects um, and and the regions that we work in, coupled with the accountability. So. It's, it's a way to scale. Um, it's, I can't make all the decisions. Um, mm. I, I definitely don't have the bandwidth for that. Um, and and nor, the, nor do I want to. Um, I get enjoyment out of um, seeing teams and individuals across Martinez grow to the challenge and taking on the challenge and, 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 um, and having the growth out of that and the enjoyment of creating uh, the right outcome. So... Uh yeah, that's, that's interesting. Do you uh, can you elaborate a little bit more on the team of teams? Mm. Yeah. So instead of being a uh, instead of everything coming up to a, a corporate, um, almost a, a corporate's almost bad word in in Martinez. We're a very diverse, um, diversified and um, uh, business where we have the the right people um, in the right roles. With the right autonomy to to carry out that um, that. That's objective. another Jim Collins again. <laughs> it is, it is, and it's um, it's and he wrote it many years ago. It's mm. um, I've definitely and I've taken that sort of approach, and that's where the team of teams, where um, a team say on a project, um, they're they're running, they they know the detail of that project, they know um, the risks and the opportunities on the project, they know the client, they're working day in day out. Um, there's no point setting it up. Up, a, a, up the flagpole to get a decision on that project. But then how do you, and where the team of teams come into it, how do you get the benefit of, of the overall organization? So we promote uh, individuals. Um, they could be the, the, they could be both project engineers or environmental advisors. They talk direct to each other. They don't have to talk to their, their leader, then to talk to another leader and then come back. It's, um, it's a very, it's a network approach. Um, that yeah. we pushed out through the business and and, and having great success um, and our team 
love the the autonomy and the authority. Yeah, that's really great to hear. And I think uh, if uh, if you're a professional, that's also a sign of respect because you respect yeah, their skills and what they bring into the business. And I think. Uh, there's uh, businesses can recognize people with uh, incentives that can recognize them with positions. Mm. But I think uh, the respect bit is what, uh, what drives the passion. And I yes. think by doing that, I can now, like in, in my mind, as you were talking, I can see many people in Martinez having the same passion as you for the business. Yeah. So that's really a, a big, big uh, takeaway for me from, from this, uh, this podcast. And it unlocks the potential. Mm -hmm. It unlocks people's hidden potential yeah. uh, because they just love, the, you get an opportunity to throw yourself into a, a challenge and grow from it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's it, the growth mindset is the DNA of the business, right? Because Definitely. I think everyone, if, if someone at, a, at a, a junior level is now required to make a decision in every, mm -hmm. every time you make a decision, it's a growth opportunity. Correct. Yep. So I think you're empowering that through the way the business operates. That's 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 fantastic. And I think we need more businesses to be doing that because that's how we build skill capability. And we we uh, you you mentioned earlier on that we're a very smart country, but mm. I think uh, in many organizations don't realize the potential that exists in their workforce, yes. and they look elsewhere for it. But uh, they can cultivate. They can provide the environment where the talent. Uh, can be demonstrated by their staff or they they can individually rise up to the challenge and help the organization grow 100% brilliant i uh, love love lo 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 this <laughs> aspect of what 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 you're doing i mean everything else is nice but i think the people focus that's 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 mm -hmm. fantastic because separate separate to this uh, is the the uh, challenge that the industry has uh, uh, on attracting people I think mm -hmm. if you create the environment for people to to thrive, for people to pursue their ideas, see their ideas come into some outcomes, mm -hmm. it encourages people to join the industry. And I think uh, that's yes. been something that we've been lacking. We've been very uh, primitive in the way we've done things in the outcomes we chase. Mm -hmm. But these uh, heart-based outcomes are important uh, for the generation that's that will be the workforce of the future. Definitely. Yeah. So a uh, question around uh, capability and capacity. Is Australia doing enough to build capability and capacity to support its future infrastructure, construction and maintenance needs? And how, what, with what the country is doing now, how will it impact us going forward? Yeah, so no, we're not doing enough, um, but it is changing. Um, there is a lot of change that is starting to happen. Um, gone are the, the old days where um, a, a contractor would win a project and then uh, they put the flag up and say, okay, we now need, need to hire these 100 specialists or these 500 specialists. Um, that was the old days and, and they're, they're, they're gone. Um, you cannot do that. You need to start early. You need to invest in your team, invest in your capability and your systems to, and to make sure that you've got that capability to not just win a project, need to successfully deliver a project once it's secured. Um, and without having that already within your team, it means it just puts a complex infrastructure project at risk for, uh, for time and cost and, and safety um, if it's not already there. So um, industry is starting to change. Um, and I, I, we're having great success because we are investing in our, our team and our people to make sure we've got that right capability to to start a project day one and be ready to to go for it. So um, it's 
it's pretty it's not rocket science you just need to invest in our invest in the people to make it uh, uh make the the right investments yeah on that topic you mentioned uh, like i just wanted to pick up uh, also from what you are seeing in america and in chile uh mm-hmm. the challenges that we see with skill capacity capability over here is it the same that you're seeing in other markets you're operating in it, it is um because we're a railway infrastructure focus we get to see uh see it across the 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 global rail industry mm-hmm. is booming so it's not a an australian thing um it's almost well, it's it's a, it's a solution going forward. Um, so much freight is moving around the world, uh, and to move freight the most um, effective way, and and um, and also the most um, um, with the least greenhouse impact is to move by rail. So therefore, freight networks around uh, every country are, are getting unprecedented investment. But then there's the, the commuters, the commuters, uh, there's so many um, cities around the world that are investing in metros, light rail um, and, and passenger rail to, again, move move the population around the, the cities, their congested cities. So it's happening everywhere. Um, Chile is is a good example of that. They've, they've got a, a substantial uh, metro system, but they've also got a, a large um commodities industry so moving iron ore and copper that's why mm-hmm. via rail having a big investment the skills is always a challenge um you, you and you've got to investing creating and attracting the right the right skill set into into the organization um the the change in construction and infrastructure construction um over the last 10 years of the old ways of doing things where it was um it, it was a, a tough environment um it was very uh what was it, it was a, a a control environment so like the, the the person at the top would would control everyone below them um that's shifting it's a more of a collaborative approach to get the best outcome which is attracting new generation and attracting um not just new generation the, the next generation is also attracting people from other industries um mm-hmm. as the the global rail industry expands yeah, you've. Uh, I think you've painted a very bright picture for the rail industry. It's it's an industry that I follow quite a lot, mm-hmm. but I think uh, we sort of uh, underestimate the contribution it makes to the global economy. And yes. I think uh, with the impact it has, and the uh, the the impact it has not only now, but the impact it could have on the net zero targets, on yes. how people move, how freight moves. I think it makes a very attractive industry to be associated with. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll. I'll probably look at the, I have a question for you around how the government does its strategizing and planning. Yep. Uh, I feel that they don't do adequate long-term planning. I think in the short term, a lot of things happen quite well. There's a lot of money being spent, but if I just look beyond the horizon, there's not not uh, a lot of long-term planning and that impacts uh, a lot of the capacity and capability issues that, that we see. Mm. Uh, I understand that the world shifts rapidly. Uh, the election cycles there, uh, and maybe the 10 to 50 year plans may not always be feasible. But would the industry, would businesses like yours benefit from more long-term planning and a more agile execution? It's a it's a difficult question to answer um, because um, I understand yeah, definitely election cycles and, and government planning. I, I think they're they are the, the government agencies are getting much better at it. Um, there is the long-term vision um, 
And as projects get closer, um, there is a lot of industry engagement now um, compared to, to 10 plus years ago um, because there is such a, a, a focus or a, such a big pipeline of infrastructure projects. So um, each agency want their project to, to make sure it's successful. They need the right, the right people um, within on that project to deliver it. And um, so they are, they are providing a lot of guidance, a lot of um, a pipeline, but we're always, uh, things do change. So that's um, for, for our strategy to, for that is, that's why we are across many regions. Um, originally, that's why we um, focused being Australia-wide um, so that we can make sure that there is um, enough projects for our team to, to be delivering. Um, and with a growth mindset organization, we always need to make sure there's an opportunity for the team to take on, um, to step up to a new challenge, to, to take on a um, extra responsibility. So with that, we've got to make sure the next project's there as well. Yeah, I, I like the response. I think it's, uh, if I were talking to uh, some motivational speakers, I'll be saying, control what you can control. Mm. <laughs> and I think what you've done here is to say, yeah, the government's doing its bit, uh, but what can we be control of? We can be yep. in different regions, we can diversify in different markets, and that way we can manage the uncertainty and make sure that we've got a good enough pipeline, right? So you've taken right. what you can control, your, your sphere of control. So that's a very good, uh, good, uh, good approach. And often I ask people about how, like business owners, on how do they manage uncertainty. And I think you've mm -hmm. answered <laughs> answered that 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 quite well. Uh, uh, I know you touched on the spheres of control. I'm a, a big believer of spheres of control. There's no point worrying about things you cannot control. Focus on on the on the core or the one ring from your core, um, oh, and wow. and. Um, yeah, results speak for themselves. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. I know you are involved uh, a lot with the Australian-owned contractors. Yes. And uh, I had uh, Australian-owned contractors on this podcast, I think, two seasons ago. Mm -hmm. uh, there is an important role they play. Are you seeing a shift or an increasing reliance on local businesses to deliver critical projects? And uh, what could Australian businesses, large and small, do to leverage upcoming opportunities? Uh, so definitely seeing a shift. Um, there, there is a, a big pipeline of infrastructure projects. So there is a shift um, in the, the procurement model and the desire for government agencies and the, each jurisdiction, the, the project owners, to increase local capability. And, and they know that um, a way to do that is to engage in mid tier contractors and lower tier contractors um, and the, the way you do that is by changing changing procurement models changing contract models um, to get tap into the capability and the capacity that is already here um, as opposed to just uh, putting it in the market in one big uh, huge project and then just hoping they get to the right outcome um, it's, it, it's it's failed before uh, and it will continue to fail it's there is ownership taken by the agencies. Um, how to to large and small um, Australian contractors and businesses? Um, I talk I've talked a lot about investing in in people, um, mm -hmm. capability and capacity. Uh, invest in in your own capability capacity, 
looking for the opportunities that fit with your capability capacity um, or even a stretch as well. And, and um, as long as you've got the, the will to um, take on the challenge and, and stretch to, to rise to that, um, that's probably the, the best way to do it is, is look for those opportunities that fit what you do the best. Yeah. And then the, and then the results will speak for themselves. Yeah, I think uh, the stretch bit is uh, it makes sense to me. A lot of businesses have, they say they have the growth mindset or the approach to grow, and they want to be a bigger business. They have good ambitions and goals, but they're not prepared to invest in the right people or people who can take the business forward a lot of the times. Mm. Uh, they can do what I would call the organic approach, which is just work on themselves, work on their own. But it doesn't take them. Uh, it doesn't take them as far, uh, and often the opportunities are passing by. So I think mm -hmm. investing in people is probably uh, a big takeaway for me, uh, for, uh, or probably something I'd like to maybe share with the audience. That that's something that businesses need to do a, a lot of. On the question around the mid tier, I think I, I like if there's there's more work given to mid tier contractors. I mean, I've always said that that's where the work gets done. Yes, so, right. so it's good to get these guys involved uh, on, on in, in the uh, in the contract in a more formal and recognize their contribution, mm. but also uh, driven. And I'm, I'm I'd probably get you to share maybe also on some work that you might be doing in the community, given that this topic is there. I see that when when uh, clients uh, invest and give work to the mid-tier contractors it's mm -hmm. these mid-tier contractors who are doing a lot of work in the community they're sponsoring the local charities the local sports team they're engaging with the local communities in terms of giving them employment etc so it's it it's not only helping the project finish but it's also building that legacy so at this point uh, are there like community projects or there's stuff that you are doing uh within the local communities to help and support them yeah, definitely. So um, we go to where the railway projects are getting built. Um, they're not always uh, in capital cities. There is a lot of regional uh, rail projects, a, a big um, network of railways across Australia and then the other regions that we work in. Um, so when we do deliver a, a regional project, um, it firstly, it makes good financial se sense to to engage with the, the, the to resource a project from the, the local community because mm -hmm. then it's not a, a fly-in or fly-in, fly-out or a drive-in, drive-out. Mm -hmm. um, but then also on the community engagement side, if there, there's um, so much capability, if you can tap into the capability of a, a community, a regional community and um, around the project you're delivering, it's, it's already there. Um, they just, the, it may require slight repurposing. Um, there's a lot of onerous requirements to be on a railway infrastructure project. Mm. Um, we've got a process where we we upskill smaller organisations to have the the um, have the systems that then can deliver on our project. We don't just say you must do this. We help the the team, the um, the local community, the small contractors, the medium-sized contractors in the regions to um, upskill for our project. And then they have that skill, um, that ability, that capability for future projects going, going mm -hmm. forward. Um, it's been successful on a, a lot of our regional projects. 
That's uh, that's great to hear. So it's it's you're building that ecosystem, right? So yeah. you grow, they grow, and as a as a whole, the country grows. That's yes. fantastic. What would you what would be your advice to small and medium sized construction businesses who aspire to grow and be prominent players in the delivery of our future infrastructure projects, but are often facing a lot of uh, headwinds as they grow? Um. It's hey, it's a challenge. It's a challenge to um, to to grow. Um, you've got to focus on the near term, but also the the medium term. There's a, a, a general saying where people say, "Don't um, just don't work in the business, work on the business." Mm. But um, you need to do both. Um, and and when I say in the business, it doesn't mean you you're on the tools, but you still need to work in the business um, at all levels, um, myself included. But you've got to work on the business as well. And again, working on the business, it isn't just the leader of the organization. If you get engagement from across your teams to work on the business, um, and that's is that is that creating a system? Is that building extra capability? Is that going for a project that is is um, outside of your current region that you're you're doing? Uh, we had we had uh, a huge success early on. Um, I'm Sydney born and bred, but. Um, we our, our biggest projects um our first success were projects away from sydney well actually they're um in queensland in the hunter valley in um, wollongong it was actually away from where where we, our core were and it stretched us to then build the capability and the trust of the the, the team that was from those regions and um, build it from afar um mm take on that challenge and then there's the the rewards out of it yeah so there would have been a lot of uh thinking strategizing mapping out how this would this would um, be delivered mm. how you structure your business what type of resources you bring in right so that's all working on the business yes. and technically you're working in the business but you're shaping shaping something that will go a long way and mm. when when you like if i would tap into those initial projects yep was the how much did you leverage those opportunities to to grow your business further on from there right so like these opportunities would would be coming at that time were you yep. thinking of then taking it further and uh building up on these skills or it just happened uh, no no just, so yeah so definitely um come back to the, the bhag um our bhag at the time um would have and I, I have to recall back but it might have been um i think it was to be on a, a 250 million dollar project um, yeah. We were delivering um, single-digit million-dollar projects at the time, so it was a stepping stone. So we identified four projects um, that were roughly ten million dollars each. And the idea uh, we will bid all four of those projects to secure one ten million-dollar project. Um, we won all four, which was a uh, which was a, a an oh shit moment, but. Uh, but also a, um, a a high five moment, and then we had to work out. And they were, as I said, one in Queensland, um, two in the Hunter Valley, so one mm. Newcastle, one um, Gunnedah, and one in Wollongong. So they weren't even in the same city. They were diverse as uh, regionally as well. Um, but as we were setting up to deliver those projects and then executing the projects, making sure we've got the right team. Um, brought in to, to deliver and, and build the capability uh, capacity to deliver those projects. We were we went after those four projects, hopefully we win one, but one or four, um, as a stepping stone 
as the reference for our next project, which would be a, a $50 million project. Mm. So always have that mindset that um, once we, we get to that next, that's that step, continue along with that step, but then also go for the next opportunity. Mm. And that's where the, the, I call it a layer cake, but it's a, it's a, um, what a vertically integrated um, business came from. So mm. product supply, which was what we originally started as rail services, projects, major projects, and then to mega projects, but keeping each layer as you, you, you develop that layer and then lock it in and that becomes the base and then the new base and then a new base. Therefore you can take on bigger challenges at the top end. Yeah. Never, never, you've never been comfortable. It seems. <laughs> I like taking on new challenges every year. Yeah, I do. I do. I think, um, 18 years in business and mm -hmm. no single year. It hasn't been 18, um, 18 years of the same one year times by 18. It yeah. has been 18 different, uh, different years with um, a total different business each year and new yeah. challenges. It's, uh, and that's, I, I love that. It's yeah. something that really uh, drives me. I'm uh, driven to, to do that. Yeah. So now some advice for the young men and women in the, entering the industry. And I think mm. just a segue there would be that uh, a lot of the young people here at the moment, they will be looking at Jeff, Jeff Bezos. They'll be looking at Elon Musk's. They'll be looking at all these other prominent people. It seems that we have got someone uh, within the country who, who, who has the same enthusiasm and is creating the same results. You mentioned that you're never comfortable. Every year has been different. Mm. You're looking at new challenges. So I think you've got, uh, you're, you're, you're a very inspiring inspirational uh, person uh, for, for for a lot of the youngsters. And I think the industry needs to recognize that if they don't, I recognize what, what you're offering to the industry. And and with that with that credentials, what advice do you have for the young men and women uh, entering the industry? There's such great opportunity. There is such great opportunity. Um, the, the infrastructure industry is so diverse. Um, there's so many um, different different age groups different skills and capabilities, uh, different opportunities for everyone. It's, uh, and it's, it's something, as you can see, I'm passionate about. Um, and, and with the right, uh, right mindset, it's, it's a great for everyone. So I, I welcome um, the, the, the new generation coming into, uh, definitely into our team, into Martinez, but also into the industry. It's, it's something that uh, it gives, uh, looking from different angles it gives the, the fresh ideas the new ideas um and i implore the the the, the industry is changing and, and opening up um to those new ideas there is so much innovation there is so much technology um to to build and run and operate railways globally and so yeah, it's it's um yeah welcome all new entrants <laughs> Uh, yeah. Fantastic. I think employing uh, a lot of young people keeps the business young as well, right? So, Definitely, yes. Which means it's it's growing. Trevon, uh, we're coming to the end of the podcast. It's been a great conversation. Lots of uh, business insights to take away, but a lot of uh, uh, inspiration as well. Do you have any final comments or a message for the audience? Um, well, firstly, thank you for the opportunity to talk on your podcast. Um, yeah. You're, you're doing great things for the industry. You're, um, you are providing awareness um, with your podcast for the industry. Uh, as I said, it is a, a great industry to be involved in um, with lots of opportunities. So I, I, I thank you for, for doing this podcast. Thanks for the opportunity to 
talk about um, the the great industry that we're in and, and Martinez. I uh, love 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 what we do and love uh, talking about it. Yeah. Now, thanks very much for your time. I know, as I as I mentioned earlier, you're a very busy person, but you took our time to be on the on the podcast and share your insights with the industry. So totally grateful for that. And I wish you and Martinez team all the best for the journey ahead. And I'm pretty sure we'll be doing a future episode. And I'll I'd love to be maybe maybe we'll record that while you're in Europe or somewhere <laughs> on a project. So all the best with all your endeavors. Thank you so much, Trevin. Thank you very much. Good to see you. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you found this episode insightful. Join us as we explore the theme of trailblazing visions, crafting construction's future narrative further in the next episode. In the meantime, do contact us if you would like to join our growing community of trailblazing businesses that we know will be known for transforming the engineering and construction industry. See you next time.